Great big good morning. Wonderful to have you joining us here today, whether you're joining us online, which is most of our audience, or you're part of our wonderful studio audience, whether you happen to have dropped in from Tennessee. It's great to have you here joining us today at New Church Live. We have a wonderful service ahead for you. As we take a look at, at how life can look and, and how relationships get stuck and how do we turn it around? How do we get them to look differently? So to get started on that, just a few quick announcements. One is we are very aware that today's September 11th. So at the end of the service, we'll be just having a moment of silence just to acknowledge that, acknowledge that day. And also we have a couple of other things coming up that deal with building community, that deal with how do we create community here in this congregation in New Church Live at a very different time. One is next week, right after church, we're having a, a church picnic of sorts. So for anyone who happens to be visiting in town or anyone who happens to be living in this part of Pennsylvania, you're more than welcome to join us for what will be a really fun little gathering right after church. And we also have gatherings online. New Church Live does that a lot. We're offering small groups coming up. Those will be starting again next week. And, and, and these small groups, folks, these small groups are wonderful ways to get to know people. We have a number of them in person. We have a number of them that are made up of online folks. This particular batch of small groups, it's, it's three weeks, one evening a week, three hours total. And it's looking at no. Where do you want newness to show up in your life? And odds are, for most of us, there's at least a couple areas where it's like, ah, I wish... I wish that was different. I wish that was new. And this gives you permission to do this, to say it. To say it out there in the universe, amongst friends who can help support you on that journey. If that has any interest to you, you're welcome to go and sign up. We have sign-up sheets right out front, as well as most of the sign-up sign-ups take place on our homepage, www.newchurchlive.tv. So today, folks, switching gears right back into what we're talking about, we're looking at, at turnarounds in your relationships. And it's, it's interesting with relationships. I love this quote, beautiful quote. Relationships are the greatest gifts we have on earth and simultaneously the most difficult part of being alive. I guess life, right? Relationships are this deeply treasured thing. And when our relationships go well, life tends to go pretty well. And yet, most of us have at least one or two strained relationships in there where we wish that life was somehow, in some way, different. And what we hope to share with you today is, is maybe ways to, to, to realize, to come to a different way of knowing the people you love and, and quote-unquote, knowing what they're all about. A little bit more curiosity. So here's, here's a simple example for you. A few days ago, I'm driving up, driving up from, from Huntington Valley. Actually, I'm walking up from Huntington Valley, the valley right near here. And, and as I'm walking up, I take a look over and I see this car with this young couple in it. And she is giving him the business. You know when you can tell when someone's in a car and they're getting the business. And, and she's like got his finger and he's obviously very upset and, and talking right back to her. And I'm looking, and it just gave me sweaty pumps just even to see that car, <laughs> you know? Because most of us have been there where we've lost our cool traveling, at least once, I hope. And I thought, wow, what if I stopped that couple right there, and I asked them, 
and I said, okay, tell me what you know about your partner. Just at that moment where they're that angry, <laughs> it probably answers I couldn't share here at New Church Live. And yet, a week later, that same couple, I could see them and chat with them and say, what do you know about your partner? And if they're in a good place, they're going to know something totally different. But their partner's the same. And probably, not 100% guarantee, but probably they will have forgotten exactly what the argument was. I know in my marriage, I know with my relationships that's true, I know oftentimes working with other people, a refrain that gets heard constantly is, boy, we had a big fight. Don't remember what it was over, but blah, blah, blah. And that's what we're going to look at today. How, how is it that we can know in a different way? Like, how does it work that we can, we can have what we know about our partner in one situation very different than what we know about our partner in a different situation? And how do we just, how do we learn to know in a different way? Just even know life in a different way. Because so much of life comes down to perspective. Now, here at New Church Live, the vast majority of our audience, like 90, 95% of our audience, is online. They watch throughout the week. And, and a fair number of them watch live as well. So, so we do a lot of texting here at New Church Live as a way to just work in the online audience as well as the in-person audience. And the way we do that is we offer questions. And today's question is this. Turn around to what we know. When you are angry with a loved one, you think about that car scene, arguing in the car, what are you sure you quote unquote know about them? All right, that's question number one. And question number two, when you are not angry with a loved one, what are you sure you know about them? We'll be coming back to those answers and you don't need to worry, I won't say names with them so you're not gonna be giving up any, any family secrets. But what is it that you know in one situation? What is it that you know in another? And then we're gonna build off of that. So as the musicians come out for this song, I want us to think, you know, again, about what we know about how life works. And what do we know? You know, what do we know when we think from love, when we think from a loving perspective? And what is it when we come from a perspective that's more wounded, maybe a little selfish, maybe a little worried? What is it we know in each of those? And we're going to look at that and talk about how maybe the turnaround is this thing around what we feel like we're 100% sure of. And with that, folks, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Morning, everybody. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took the long way We knew we'd get there someday They said, I bet They'll never make it But just look at us holding on We're still together, still going strong We're still the one I run Still the one I want for 
beautiful song and and folks as we look at turning around relationships and coming back to that person who's so special to us and, and again that might be a partner it might be a, a spouse or or a, or a broader relative or friend out there that we're looking for a turnaround in relationship you know coming back to that how do we do that and, and what I want to do is I want to approach this today not with not with a lot of seriousness like this should be a joy-filled service as we look at the human experience, we laugh at those parts that are kind of goofy about humanity, and there's plenty of them, and celebrate those parts where we get to see the wonder, the love, and, and pass on more how God really, I think, intends for us to live in the world. Now, it's, it's interesting, again, in the Bible, those of you who are familiar with New Church Live know I believe this firmly. I, I believe Jesus has a great sense of humor. And, and anytime we take the sense of humor away from Jesus, I think we take a lot away from the person. A lot away from God, a lot away, a lot away from, from, from the deep depth of what he's trying to share with us. And it's, it's ways to see the world just a little differently. Again, different eyes. Now that's what we're going to pick up on today. We're picking up on, on Luke 19, this beautiful passage here. In Luke 19, where Jesus says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. In other words, do a little blessing on these babies. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them, which is kind of interesting, right? Like, here are these disciples, these followers of Jesus, and here are these people going, Jesus has bigger things to do than hang out with you, ma'am. Just move right aside. 
And, and you can sort of hear, I mean, I can hear sort of their own self-righteousness in that. Like, who are they to rebuke other people? But they saw that as their task, right? Like, Jesus is way busy. We're his gatekeepers. Any gatekeeper mentality does not work terribly well with religion and did not work terribly well with Jesus. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called, to the, called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Beautiful, beautiful line there. So, so folks, we, we look at that, right? You, you, just, you look at that line, and here's Jesus saying, yeah, you gotta take on a child's mindset. That's not saying be childish. It's not saying be childish. The childish parts of us yells at each other in the car. He's saying, take on this child's mindset. A mindset of wonder, of curiosity, of gratitude. That's what he's using as a model here. And there's a part of us, again, that wants to be the gatekeeper, wants to have all the answers, doesn't want to ask any questions, the disciple part. And here's Jesus offering something very different. Now, one of the fun parts of the Bible, when you read through a story like this, at least I find very interesting, is that the Bible was an oral tradition. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that people would sit down and, and they would hear it. They'd hear all these stories passed on. We come along in our Western minds and we decide, well, you know what we need? We need to have chapters and we need to have verses. Jesus did not write in chapters. And he did not write in verses. What he did was he told stories. And then other people told stories about his stories. And that's what we're going to shift into right now is, is how does this go? Because it's interesting when you look at this, here's Jesus saying, look, you know, don't keep, don't keep the little children from coming to me. Please don't keep, like, this is what it's all about, allowing that childlike mind to, 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 to connect with God. End of chapter, end of verse. But maybe these two stories are supposed to go together. And that's where I want to pull in this next, this next story. It's interesting with this next story. This is a story about the rich young ruler. So if you think of a young guy who had it all going, he had everything going for him. He's young, he's a ruler. If you read through the full story, it's a very famous story. He's obviously very wealthy. I mean, he's got it all going. And what he does is he, is he comes to Jesus and he wants to see him and he, he asks him this question, but he doesn't really ask him the question. He tells him the question. And we get to get a sense of that. So, so this is a guy who has, by all appearances, done everything right. He's obeyed all the commandments. He's young, rich, probably good-looking, probably has a nice car. All those things. Has it all together. And he comes in and he asks Jesus this question. Good teacher, must, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you have to remember, he's asking this question because he had already done all those things. He's begging for affirmation. I mean, I can still remember back in the day, I can st still remember, you know, playing lacrosse and my dad coming to a game and, and being all excited to see my dad there and, and, and really wanting him to, like, offer some affirmation about, son, you are the best one out there. 
That's what this guy's looking for. Think of that in light of this statement about don't keep the little children away. Here's somebody who is a little bit in that little child state. Not exactly the way we first talked about it, but, but it's just interesting to think about. You know, here's Jesus, I think, I think, I think there's something here for us, right? And we go like, yeah, there is this little, this little childish part that's always going to be looking for affirmation. It's not the part that's necessarily asking questions or having a child like mine, but it's this little part that just wants to be affirmed. And what does Jesus offer there? Jesus offers this beautiful line, why do you call me, and I think here he's saying yourself, he's really, really trying to take the brunt of it there, why do you call me yourself good, Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Boy, what a powerful statement that is. And I see Jesus, and I think this is so important, I see Jesus saying that with a smile. As this guy comes up, he's got, he's got this list of all the things that he's done right. And he's saying, essentially, look how good I am. Could you affirm how good I am and how good I've done it? And Jesus, with a smile, with a smile, goes, look, dude, God's the good one here. God alone is good. There's something about that to me that creates this child's mind, this, this mind of a child that, that Jesus is asking of us, where, where it kind of pulls apart that idea that, that we need to be sort of in this performance principle and it's just God allowing us to be open. It's, it's, hard to get, it's hard to get exact language around. But I think it's real easy to get, to get into this idea that we're always trying, to, always trying to be good. And we're trying so hard to be good that we're missing the big picture. Now notice what I'm saying there. I'm not saying that it's bad to try to be good. That's really important. But that can become its own racket. I mean, how many of us battle with perfectionism? And you better raise most of your hands out there, <laughs> you know? Right? That's that. That's that trying to be super good. Do you like me now? You know, that kind of thing. I think that's what Jesus is trying to quiet a bit here. So that something else can grow, which is this childlike mind. This childlike mind that, that isn't into just doing, but just, just is into being. Remember being on a walk with our grandson a few months back, you know, and of course, I've got my objective. We're going to go visit this place. We're going to do this place. We're going to do this place. We're going to do this place. I have this loop. And as I'm walking along, he's about 10 paces in front of me, and he keeps on stooping down to pick up rocks and throw rocks. I have to have space for that. Not easy. Got to give up my agenda to just allow that kind of thing to be because that's, that's his childlike mind. And I think that's where Jesus goes, yeah, that you need to be like that. You need to be open. And that's maybe an important parting, starting point with us trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we turn around relationships? Because I think this, is, this question is real important. What do we get tricked into defending? What do we get tricked into defending? My ego, the negative part of me, will get tricked into defending the wrong stuff all the time. And you could fit in any number of things there where we really get tricked into, into defending things that really don't need defending. We don't need to worry about it. 
I think if I was to put it in, in a summary form, I think it's defending our small selves, not building the relationship. Defending our small selves, not building the relationship. The ego part of all of us, a lot of the time feels really vulnerable. It feels at risk. It feels naked a lot of the time. And that ego part, we can get tricked into that that's what we really have to defend. And it's, it's, it's not what we have to defend. It's an aside, but it's, and it's a tricky one. Like, that gets too much into this, how do we constantly feed the self-esteem monster? Believing that if we feed it enough, eventually we'll feel good enough about life that life will be okay. I don't think that's true. I think eventually we stop even trying to defend that. In other words, we stop asking some of those questions. And we start moving to a very different place. Now, now, how might this, I mean, this is so highfalutin. Like, how might this look? Well, I want to share with you a chart up here. And this is sort of, I, I think, a way we could, we could hold it when we're not at our best. When we look at this chart, right, you have the knowledge of life. You just have the stuff, the information of life that keeps on flowing past. And then... What we can often do is, is we can get mired in blame and defensiveness. Constantly blaming, constantly defensive. And the blame and defensiveness, this is really the key part, folks. And I ask you just to try this on for a second. The blame and defensiveness will pick certain knowledge and, and will know certain things, quote unquote, know certain things. That couple in the car, driving up, furious with each other. No doubt in that car, a lot of blame and defensiveness going on. I don't think I'm going out on a limb, even though I didn't hear a word they said. So that whole blame and defensiveness creates this story. And that story doesn't serve. It's just a story. See, blame and defensiveness, it's interesting, right, how, how those two come together. I think about in terms of how life could grow and how, how life could, could, could work. And so much of blame and defensiveness, they, they, they totally disempower us. In other words, the blame, it's always about them. And we could fit in institutions there too. And then if anything comes back of, well, you know, you have a role here too, totally defensive. So there's this force field up that says, I am a victim in this situation. And that force field is really hard to poke through. Why? Because it's got a story. It's got the information. It can, it can prove it. Jesus is constantly calling that into question. He's constantly saying, like, ah, look at what you know and look at it differently. Because what you know can actually get in the way. Now, this blame and defensiveness, it can go into goofy places. I like this New Yorker cartoon. A wife doing the dishes. I don't mind doing the dishes every night. It gives me time to deepen my resentment. That's a good line. And we can just do that, where we're just, we're just stewing on it, stewing on it, stewing on it, get deeper and deeper into our own levels of resentment. Emmanuel Swedenborg, in the book Secrets of Heaven, put it this way. Self-love narcissism shares nothing but its own self-conception. When we're really in a self-centered part, place, the only opinion that matters is ours. 
The only perspective we have is just ours. There isn't anything broader or anything greater than, than just me, myself, and I. I mean, I know we got a lot of young adults here today. We have a lot of young adults who watch us. It's tricky, right? It's tricky being young. Part of the trickiness to it is that life is not perfect. I work over at the local college once a week, and this was mentioned to me. Yeah, life, life's not perfect. It's beautiful. It's not perfect. It's easy to think that there's a perfection out there and that it's someone else's job to deliver it. And if that perfection somehow does not get delivered, well, I'll blame all defensiveness. It's because they're doing it wrong, or them, or them, or them, you know, fill in the blank. And I certainly have no responsibility. True spiritual life, though, comes, I mean, like, I'm using that word deliberately. True spiritual life, like life, like real life, doesn't come from this doesn't come from folding our arms and waiting for life to come to us. And when it doesn't, just all being about blame and defensiveness. True life comes when we raise our hand. And we try. God doesn't ask us to be successful. He asks us to try. And to keep on trying. When we can do that, folks, it's, things can get better. And I love some of these comments about people who sort of saw their way forward. This was an online comment someone made. The blame game worked for me a long time until someone shined a spotlight on it. As painfully lonely as blame and defensiveness is, we are blind to it. And we really are. When we're in a blame and defensive position, we're totally blind to it. I had to be open to listening to the hard stuff, and then things started to shift. In other words, the force field goes down, and we start to see something very different. So instead of defending, instead of defending, as I said, like defending our small selves, instead of defending our small selves, what we start to work on is we start to work on building the relationship. And that's just a different, again, it's a very different place to be. And how does that work? Well, I, I was sharing with a, with a congregant before this, and he was sharing with me the line from a, from a beautiful video that says, life doesn't have to be good for us to be happy. Life doesn't have to be good for us to be happy. Love that line. And that's because we start to understand the flow a little differently. Now, before I share this with you, I want to say, friends, like, think about it. This is what repentance is all about. Repentance literally means to change your mind. It means I have one way of looking at it, and I'm going to look at it very differently. That's where you're free to choose. You realize most people don't know that? Most people really don't believe they can change their mind. And yet that's constantly Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, rethink, cast it in a different way, because there's a much more beautiful way to see life. 
And it's not a way, like as I'm about to show you, it won't change the facts of life per se. Like the facts of life will be the facts of life. Are some days really good? Yes or no? Yes. Are some days really bad? Yes or no? Yes. Some days are going to be really, you're going to get both. But you're going to be able to sail through it in a very different way. If we can practice this kind of repentance of changing our mind, flipping the way we see things. Blame and defensiveness get boring. <laughs> they just do. I know I can get into that as readily as anybody. And I think we all know nothing grows there. Nothing grows there. Get a team together, say we are going to base this team on blame and defensiveness and see how well that team works. And I can guarantee it won't work very well. But we can repent and we can move to this place. Same knowledge, same facts, flying through life. But now, instead, we have gratitude and inquiry, or curiosity, or wonder, however you want to put it. We're now, we're, we're looking at life, and we're, we're grateful. When we look out there at the knowledge, we look out there at the things that are going on, we're able to pick from it. We're able to, to pick and go like, oh yeah, I'm going to choose this piece of knowledge and I'm going to be grateful for it. Somebody texted me, like we got a bunch of really great text messages, folks, and, and somebody texted me, you know, about their spouse. Um, I know in both scenarios that she is not out to hurt me in any way. That's a gratitude statement. That's able to grab a hold and go like, yep, I'm just going to be grateful because I know this person, they, they have my best interests at heart. It's that constant gratitude. And then there's an openness. We talk a lot about here, and you know, if I was to pick a theme for the last 12 months maybe at New Church Live, it would be this. Curiosity might be the most primary moral virtue any of you can practice. Inquiry. Asking a question. Yesterday, talking with a, with a wonderful young man who was was asking about, yeah, how is it that, you know, when, when we're sharing opinions, and she's talking about his relationship, sharing opinions in your relationship, like how, how did him and his partner, how do they make sure that they really hear each other? And I said, well, instead of, she makes a statement, you make a statement, instead of maybe think like statement and then question, she says it. And then maybe you can say, honey, can I make sure I understand that? Can I reflect it back to you? Tell me what I'm not seeing. We talk about that question a lot in here. Tell me what I'm not seeing. That's, that's the inquiry part, and that's where it, it starts to open up in these amazingly beautiful, powerful ways. What happens, folks, then we start to get a turnaround. Instead of blame and defensiveness, Gratitude and inquiry start to take over. That's the turnaround. Put in your mind, right, how that, how that looks. Think of that relationship that's really strained, and we all have them. Please know that we all have them. And imagine that you make the choice, progress, not perfection. It's not like a light switch that just, you know, today at 1131, we'll do it perfectly from here on out. That's not how it works. It's how we'd like for it to work. It's not how it works. But, but we really make the choice. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, 
I'm not going to do the blame and defensiveness. Folks, what if, what if this? What if blame and defensiveness were sin? What if that was really being sinful? Like when Jesus talks about sin, what if that was part of what he was really talking about? Blame and defensiveness. And what if when he talks about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God, folks, it's not like an evacuation plan to heaven. It's about as in heaven, as the prayer says, as in heaven, so upon the earth. We're to live it here and now. Of course, there's a then and there. And the way to get then and there is to live it here and now. And what if instead we really said, yeah, I, I just want to be grateful. As my mic doesn't work. I'm going to be grateful. And I'm going to inquire. I'm going to wonder. I'm going to be curious. Our world is far too filled with people who are certain, I think. We need to recapture this. Even for those people who may see the world really differently than we do. Can we still even there find gratitude and find curiosity? Trying to understand, trying to maybe see the world the way they see it. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that it's always perfect, but it means that we're always assuming the best of our partner. I like this cartoon, and this is a woman assuming the best of her husband. She says, you're so easy to talk to. Not everyone is such a good listener. And he writes, nothing is worse than hard butter. Nothing. I think that's very true. But that's that basic... See, see, that's like that's looking at life, and that's that's gratitude for pulling knowledge in a certain way that creates this gratitude that starts to change the world and really does start to change the quality of our life. Look, friends, life is gonna do, as we just said, life is gonna do what life's gonna do. We get to choose this, we get to choose whether to turn around or not. And some of this stuff, folks, is, is serious. Here's somebody who wrote a beautiful one, a beautiful little share. A parishioner in Canada wrote this beautiful little share. A man in the AA program explained that I needed to accept how people love me, not how I felt they should show their love to me. This so helped me truly love my dad. Oh, that's so good. I, take, I would take a screenshot of that. See, the, the beauty in that there's, first slide there was curiosity. This slide, to me, talks a lot about wonder. You know, where we're just open to maybe seeing a, a family member in a slightly different way. That they're showing love the way that, the way that they can show it. They're showing love in, in the ways that they can do it. They may, may not perfectly resonate with us. But so what? But so what? So, friends... Think about this idea. Think about where in all of our lives we can make this flip. A flip away from blame and defensiveness. And that can be people, that can be institutions. And instead learning to embrace something very different. Gratitude and curiosity. When we come back after this song in a short video, I want to talk about what that looks like when, they, when those things really start to hum together.
eyes It's like watching the night sky A beautiful sunrise There's so much they hold And just like them old stars I see that you've come so far be right where you are How old is your soul? Well, I won't give up on us Even if the skies get rough I'm giving you all my love I'm still looking up You're needing your space to do some navigating. Be here patiently waiting to see what you find. Even the stars they burn, some even fall. away so easily I'm here to stay and make the difference that I can make our differences they do a lot to teach us how to use the tools and gifts we got yeah we got a lot at stake and in the end you're still my friend at least we didn't intend for us to work we didn't break we didn't burn we had to learn how to bend Without the world caving in, I had to learn what I got and what I'm not and who I am. And I won't give up on us, even if the skies get rough. I'm giving you all my love. I'm still. Live, it's Angela. We just wanted to let you know the three best ways to stay connected and plugged in here at New Church Live. 
The first is to subscribe to our newsletter. It comes out once a week and has everything you need to know about upcoming events, community service initiatives, and things going on here at New Church Live. All you have to do is go to our homepage and scroll to the bottom. There you'll be able to put your email address and sign up for updates. That will put you on our email list and it comes out once a week. The second way is to go to our events tab on our homepage. There we have every upcoming event listed with all the details, including ways to sign up and anything you might need to know. Lastly, we hope you'll follow us on social media. We have a Facebook and Instagram account, both of which are active and have tons of content there, as well as some additional content and behind the scenes things. Um, we hope you'll follow us there and we hope you'll get involved. We really wanna make sure that it's as easy as possible to get involved and up to date about anything happening here at New Church Live. Lastly, we hope you'll support us financially. None of this is possible without your financial support. So you can make a donation on our homepage or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. All of this is possible with your financial contribution and all of this is happening with you in mind. So we hope that you'll stay connected and plugged in here at New Church Live. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Ange, and thank you for that beautiful song. You know, folks, this is, this is, I mean, this is powerful stuff. And, and I feel like a lot of the time, and we're going to have a whole series coming up on gratitude. We're actually going to be doing a small group on gratitude starting the end of October. It's easy to, to, to treat gratitude and curiosity so lightly. Like, oh, yeah, be grateful and curious. And it's, it's such a rich spiritual discipline. It's much richer than what we give it, what we truly give it credit for. Because what can break? You know, I, I, think, I think what breaks when we shift away from, from blame and defensiveness into this place that's, that's in, about gratitude and inquiry is this. Challenges need not always break our faith in each other, but instead might, might just break our faith in our own private certainty. I think that really can happen. I think that can happen for that couple in that car. You know, hopefully it has already. <laughs> I think that can happen for you. I think that can happen for us. Where we really try to, in the storms of life, come from gratitude and curiosity. As I was back there, you know, reading through text messages, and by the way, thank you folks so much for all the text messages you sent in. As, as I'm back there reading text messages, somebody made a reference to a beautiful marriage program, and it's one actually that my wife and I did called Retrovi. And Retrovi was terrific. And, and the, whole, the whole foundation of Retrovi was based on this. It said, you trying to solve your own problems is the biggest problem. So literally, there was no problem solving over a, a weekend retreat. Like, you could not solve a problem. You couldn't say, this is our problem, how do we solve it? All you could do was inquiry. All you could be was curious. That was it. They had a whole list of questions you had to go through to do that. I mean, some of them I still use. I know we have young couples who watch us every week. It's where we got that question that we spend a whole lot of a session on. Where do I feel pressured to live up to your expectations? Uh, where do you feel pressured to live up to my expectations? Sorry, flip that around. And, and it's, it's just this idea of like, yeah, just be curious. And folks, think about this. Follow me here for a minute. So if I really can practice that kind of openness with the people I love, with friends, with acquaintances, with the world, I think 
I'll end up this way. I think we'll end up this way. I think we'll end up being a lot more grateful. It's hard to imagine really knowing someone and not finding a lot of stuff to be grateful about. Maybe there's a few people out there who probably would prove that wrong. But I don't think there's a lot of people out there. I think the more we know people, the more we can find our way to gratitude. We're all fighting a great battle. Every single one of you in here. We're all fighting a great battle. That's where spiritual knowledge starts in many ways. And either, either we're going to transform our pain or we're going to transmit it. That, that idea, folks, of, of moving, moving beyond that and, and the, 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 the incredible stuff that can start to grow. I was, I was listening to a, to a podcast, and it was a, a University of Chicago professor. And I've mentioned this in here before, but I want to do a little deeper dive on it as we close. It's a short, deeper dive. But this, this professor from University of Chicago, him and his wife had this amazing marriage, and, and they talked about wing-to-wing and oar-to-oar. I love that idea. And look at this picture up here, wing to wing and oar to oar. So wing to wing and oar to oar, it means that, that really effective love, like when we really love, really have learned how to love, we're able to see love in two different ways. And, and notice, it doesn't say toe to toe. <laughs> it's not this. It's, it's wing to wing and oar to oar. Now, now the wing to wing love, beautiful picture there of Taylor and Jim did their wedding a few weeks ago. It was, it was just beautiful, just beautiful wedding. They're watching, by the way, right now. And, and just all of it was just great. And, and, and at those moments, those moments are so important to step into because that gives us the wing-to-wing perspective on love. It's, it's those times where it takes flight. And, so, and oftentimes, I think it's just for a minute, just for a minute we see it. Just for a minute, we get, yeah, there's God's plan and God's always had a plan and that plan is good and, and we're flying together and we can see life and we can see the long term. And, and I love the idea that the geese fly together when they fly together, you know, Canadian, Canadian snow geese here, that, that they're all flying in that V because they become a big wing. Listen, folks, a big wing where they're all lifting each other. How good is that? So take those wing-to-wing moments. And then life isn't always living up there. You know, I mean, I mean, you have the wedding day, that's a real high, and then dishes and diapers arrives. <laughs> we all have that too. And that's oar-to-oar. And that oar-to-oar that love is where we're just in it, and we're rowing. And just as Dory would say, in the famous Disney movie, just keep swimming. Just keep rowing. Just keep doing our part. It was interesting. I was, I was thinking about that a little bit. And I, we had a baptism in Pittman, New Jersey. And I was thinking, yeah, how is it that, that, that they steer in a boat? You know, if you're rowing and you're going backwards. And, and of all things, like, God has a great sense of humor. So he seated me beside somebody who was a coxswain on one of those, those boats, what they would call a skull here in the Philadelphia area. And I asked him, how do, you, how do you steer those boats? Like, he's the only guy who really can turn around and have a sense where they're going. And he said, oh, it's real simple. I have two little ropes on either side. 
And that's how I steer it. I think that's faith. I think faith, even when we're in the midst of the work, we're not 100% sure where it's going. We just know God's got two little strings. And he's going to help head us in the right direction. Our job is to do the work. So folks, in the week ahead, the simple part of saying no to blame and defensiveness, and the simple yes to saying yes to gratitude and inquiry, just, just watch how your lives start to change. Watch how something will start to come alive. And if you want to sort of follow up that even more, Again, we have this whole series coming up, three-week series with three-part small group. Think about joining us for our next series called New. We're going to talk even more specifically about how to bring these things together in our lives. More gratitude, more curiosity, more inquiry, more wonder. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to go through a prayer here. And uh, I'm going to do a, do a little prayer. I'm going to reference 9-11 as part of it. Then we'll do the Lord's Prayer and a blessing. And then we'll just have a, a minute here of just quiet music, given, you know, the gravity of the memory of today. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, for many of us, this date will literally always be this date. This date of a time of a great national tragedy, a date where we can instantly remember where we were, what we were doing, the feelings of worry, the feelings of fear, the feelings of concern for loved ones, the feelings of loss. All those are true. And we know, Lord, as well, that within life, there is this bigger holding, this place where while not everything is good, Everything in your providence, you seek to pull as much good out of it as you can. Help us, Lord, to remember that, to hold as well the memories of those lost, the memories of all those pieces that are part of September 11th, and help us to move forward, creating a new world as best we can, to raise our hands, to take our turn in making the world a better place. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. I look in your eyes and I can see 
We've loved so dangerously You're not trusting your heart to anyone You tell me you're gonna play it smart We're through before we start But I believe that we've only just begun When it's this good there's no I want you so I'm ready to go Through the fire, to the limit, to the wall For a chance to be with you, I gladly risk it all Through the fire, through whatever come what may A chance of loving you, I take it Afraid of what you feel, you still need time to heal, and I can help if you'll only let me try. You touch me, and something in me knew what I could have with you. Well, I'm not ready to kiss that dream goodbye. I'm ready to go
Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Take good care. We'll see you all soon.